All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the short thing here on August 17th. Warren Shore here with Ryan Silva. Good uh, show planned for today. We're going to look at the Mavs Clippers series, uh, talk some NHL playoffs, and whatever else is going on in the world of sports. Things along those lines. You can check us out on Twitter at The Short Thing. You can also check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, and the iHeart radio podcast app at the short thing as well we'll be back again on friday but ryan how was uh how was your weekend still trying to figure it out if we can get the stuff pre-recorded for our show on sunday nights on 1190 um but so that is still trying to figure that one out a little tbd tbd still yeah right on uh yeah no good weekend a lot of great sports going on this weekend um had you know usual baseball stuff going on some tryouts a couple games um luckily the games we had were eight and nine a.m so or eight a.m and like nine forty-five. so it was before it got too blistering hot on saturday um but uh yeah i mean all around pretty pretty good weekend how about you did you ever get that bathroom cleaned uh it's still tbd it's still <laughs> um, it's honestly really not that messy um but that's for a conversation of another <laughs> of another day uh but you know i golfed yesterday it is hot it was brutal <laughs> it was so hot i did i was on call to caddy on saturday from nine to noon and i was just rooting that i was not gonna get called in i was rooting hard i did not get called in so that was good but it is it was hot and that storm yesterday was pretty crazy yeah um but yeah, no, that was pretty much it. Uh, yeah, I was driving home on Saturday, like around probably two thirty, and um, as I was driving home, I drive right by uh, what's the uh, what's the golf course right here in McKinney off McDonald? Um, Is it Westridge? No. Um, I've played there before a couple. I've like like five times. I can't think of the name. Ocala or something like that. Uh, so yeah, I think it's Ocala. That might be it. And there yeah. was guys golfing out there at like like I said like two in the afternoon, and I was like, "Yeah, no way, no way." I looked down at my my car thermometer; it said 102 outside. So I was like, "Yeah, no, that's gonna be a big time pass for me." That's a no for me, dog. Yeah, yeah, it was hot. It was hot. Uh, I, we really played in like three and a half hours yesterday. It wasn't everyone was kind of playing quick. Uh, also, so the guys ahead of us, listen to this move. They would good for them. They were not very good. They were playing a scramble, uh-huh. which was fine. But the problem was, I think they were playing a scramble against the guys ahead of them. But when they would wait, um, when they would wait to hit in the fairway, this happened a couple times. They would drive, so they were not visible from the tree, so they would or from the tee, but to uh, put the carts in the shade. Uh-huh. There were like three holes. We just get up there. Don't see anybody in the fairway, and I we just start teeing off. Yeah, and like we're driving to the ball, and they're just getting in the fairway to hit. That's and weird. we're like, buddy, where'd you come from? Where did you guys come from? Like, just we're like, can you, can you put? Can you go under? We understand you want to be in the shade. Yeah, but can you go under a tree where hey maybe we see you? Yeah, so we know that you're there. So if someone sprays one, if we're hitting, we can yell four, and you're not going to get mad at us if we hit. Yeah. It was, that was a crazy uh, scene a couple times. 
but yeah, it was just hot. And now it's like 90s this all week, this whole week. Yep. Yeah, so that rain, that rain was necessary to cool it down, hopefully, and uh, and uh, you know, get things heading the right direction as far as getting away from that heat. Yes. I uh, yeah. Hopefully. Uh, there, but yeah, lots of sports. You didn't respond to my text on Saturday night. Yeah, uh, didn't have my like I had my phone on me, but I didn't see it until like a couple, like probably like thirty minutes later. Until by that time, the fight was up pretty much over. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I did. I did not respond, but I was I was watching it. I did watch it. I that's the only fight I watched. I did not watch any really other fight on the car. Yeah, I didn't watch any other fight. So you're telling me you ordered that fight and paid no. for it just to watch the main. <laughs> Yeah, I never pay for those. <laughs> I know that's why I said that. Um, I honestly didn't realize like I got there when they were already in the ring. Oh, really? Like I missed the walkouts and everything. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but yeah, look. So we talked about that here at the beginning. Stipe wins again. Uh, was that a six title defense? Yep. I'm not the biggest UFC guy, but it didn't seem like Stipe was ever going to lose that fight. Yeah, and remember on Friday we said we're like this. See, this has like the writings on the wall of a of a Cormier win, go out on top kind of deal, and that was not the case. Yeah, Steve's hair was wild. He looked like Koopa Troopa. He, I mean, he that dude from from the first time they fought to now, he's leaned out so much. Like it's wild how much leaner he is. I like feel the, like I've never. I said that's the best he's probably ever been in shape. Like the veins he had, you've never seen those before. Yeah, he's he's super lean. It's crazy. I mean, he didn't even look like the same guy. Like you said, the long hair, uh, you know, everything. Yeah, the you know how lean and athletic he looked, which is crazy. And then you know it always helps when you put your finger in a guy's eye going up to your second knuckle. I mean, that was brutal. He got he got he got poked in the eye too. I mean, he didn't do it on purpose. I don't think it was a no, purpose agreed. poke in the eye. But I mean, he got in there like he he. I think he gave uh, Cormier's brain a little tickle while he was in there. And shout out to Cormier for still fighting. You, you kidding me? I get poked in the eye like that. I'm going down and I'm tapping the canvas, and you're never seeing me step foot in the ring again. I thought there was a chance they weren't gonna. Le- First of all, he should have. This five more seconds left in the second round, the fight's over. It doesn't yeah, even get to the eye absolutely. Point. Um, cause he was, he was, he honestly, he was probably lucky he made it to the, after out of the round Yeah, because he got up wobbling and it didn't look, he was not there. Yeah. Um, but do you think Cormier poked Stipe in the eye on purpose? I don't know. I mean, I don't think I it was like, get- like accidentally on purpose. Yes. You know what I mean? Like one of those. Um, but is this either- kind of known for that? I don't think so. No, he's more known, I think, for uh, the uh, kick to the uh, midsection, a little okay. bit lower to the midsection. Yeah, I think that's what he, he did that to, uh, to uh, John Jones a couple times. Okay. Um, because I, saw, I also saw Stipe was, like, telling the ref. He was like, hey, remember I told you about that. Didn't he say that? He might about, have. I think he – or the announcers. First of all, the announcers. A little less biased. We all know you're rooting for Daniel Cormier, but let's not hold a morgue when he loses, when Stipe just yeah. dominates him for pretty much five rounds, okay? Like, let's act a little happier for a guy that is underappreciated in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, John Anik, he's a good guy. Um, you know, he's but been around. What's that? I, think, I know, I think John Anik's a fine announcer when I watch it, but the bias by him and Dominic Cruz on Saturday night was just, I mean, right, but you also got to understand too that Cormier calls a lot of fights with Anik too, so you no, know I, that I like friendship is there. I know, 
I'm not. I understand why they were biased for wanting Daniel Cormier to win. But, but you just wanted to kind of chill out a little bit. Yeah, easy does it. And you're going to interview Cormier first before Stipe after the fight. Yeah. Then Champ always get to go first. I think so. Yeah. See. And I know Dana White doesn't like Stipe because Stipe doesn't isn't the most marketable guy out there. They don't want to market Stipe. I get uh-huh. all this stuff, but the guy just wins. He's a firefighter, okay? He's out there putting his life on the line and fighting <laughs> dude and just wrecking fools. Yeah. But what – Cormier. So you're more in the UFC than I are than I am. And <laughs> – <laughs> no, and aren't your the guys you go over to watch the fight with? They're big UFC guys. They're big boxing guys. Oh, boxing guys. Okay. Yeah, they're big boxing guys. But we all, but we enjoy, you know, all the same. But they're locked into they more. Want to win the fight? Uh, I think it was kind of split 50 because there's one guy that like, like I say, he's into boxing and into like professional or like mixed martial arts a little bit. So he wanted like Cormier to go out on top. And then one of my other good friends, um, he just likes Stipe, so he was rooting for Stipe. It was kind of split down the middle of, of who we wanted to win. I was a Stipe guy. I was rooting for Stipe. So one of my friends had a good point. He was like, St- Cormier, people just like Cormier because he's the guy that loses to John Jones after John Jones cheats. Mm-hmm. And so it's like he never gets a fair – he's like, oh, he's never had a fair shot at John Jones because he always cheats and he loses to him. So, like, people are like um, – they're like for the – underdog quote unquote yeah so they're like they like dc because he's never got a fair shot I'm like oh if it was a fair shot he would win he would never beat john jones steve yeah, wouldn't even so. beat john jones okay but john jones isn't fighting because he's cheating but that's why people are partial to cormier is because like oh he always wants to beat john jones but he cheats all the time so he's, mm-hmm. he doesn't have a fair shot to beat him do you would you agree with that no i i think i think i think john jones is one of the best fighters we've ever seen and it's too bad that he's as conflicted as he is uh, you know, and has his own personal stuff going on. Cause I think he could literally be like the best we've ever seen. Um, I like Cormier. Cormier is not, I, you know, I don't dislike Cormier at all. He's got a, you know, pretty good personality off, off or out of the, out of the octagon. Uh, he's a likable dude. He's he fat. talks trash. He is fat. Yeah. You like to see the fat guys do well because <laughs> that gives you a little bit of hope. Um, but you know, I mean like he's, he's been a grinder. He's, he's, he started out as a, a college wrestler, you know, was a wrestler yeah. in the Olympics for the USA and so, like, he's been doing this for a long time. And to transform into, like, an actual mixed martial arts fighter, because a lot of times you see those wrestler guys, they come in, they just literally want to lay on you. But he'll stand in and throw some punches, too. So I like Cormier, um, and I, but I still don't think that even if, even if John, Jones, John Jones isn't juicing or, or, you know, crashing his Lamborghini into a tree because he's got cocaine in his system or whatever it may be, I still don't think he's being John Jones regardless. No. No, I'm not saying he was going to beat John Jones, but I'm saying people are more partial to him because, in their minds, he doesn't get the fair shot at John Jones. Not saying he would win, but it's like, yeah, oh, no. he he wants to beat him so bad, it's like the other guy won't hold up his end of the bargain. Yeah. Um, no. All right. Oh, but yeah, no, anything else for the fight? Other than it didn't look like Cormier. After the eye poke look, it's kind of tough, but it seemed like he was kind of checked out after the second round. Yeah. I yeah, I mean, he even said, you know, in his post-fight uh, interview that uh, he couldn't see anything out of his left eye. So, yeah. I mean, that's got to make it tough. But, uh, yeah, uh, like I said, props to him for even rolling and keeping it, keeping it going. Because you, you put a finger that deep in my eye, no, nah, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, no. I, and, again, I don't think it was uh, – it was – I don't think there was any intent on that one. It's just kind of unlucky where the knuckle was. Yeah. Um, just happened to go in his – 
in his eye. Um, in his frontal yeah. lobe. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so we'll have to see what. And he's retired after this. Uh, so that was his last fight. Um, I'm, people were surprised he didn't, like, go try and wrestle Stipe more. It seemed like he was just content on fighting, like, throwing punches. That was it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I was surprised, too. I thought for sure, especially after uh, especially after the second round when he, you know, uh, when he – what wait, what round did he get poked in the eye? The second round? Third. Third round. So after The he got second re- round was when he got – When he got pummeled. Obliterated at the end. Yeah, so the like, third round. He had, a, he had the wherewithal to, like, get his arms around Stipe's legs so he couldn't – like, he kind of protected himself a little bit. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So after the third round – um, the fact I thought maybe the fourth and fifth he was going to try and wrestle a little bit more, try to get some more points. Maybe he could, you know, find a submission or something like that. But he, like you said, he was content with just standing there and throwing punches. Yeah, and he just kind of lost that. Mm-hmm. He lost the battle. Um, but I thought it was an and the war. He lost two to one. He did lose two to one. That's tough. That's tough. Um, but yeah, so we'll see what happens where they go from there. It is kind of weird though, without. The fans. Yeah. Um, like you hear the coach. I know we talked about this before. You hear mm-hmm. the coaches yelling and everything. And it is it is a di- different type of. I'm, I'm not saying I hate it. Like part of me kind of likes it. But. Um, See, I don't mind it because I used to watch the Ultimate Fighter a bunch back in the day. Yeah, that's it. This is exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's the, yeah, the exact same thing. It, the only difference is you could hear like their teammates cheering for them. Um, but so, you know, any anybody that watched the Ultimate Fighter back in the day when it was still on, you know, kind of used to it. So it's not it's not that um, different, but it does feel different when it's like like this, like a heavyweight title fight. You know what I mean? Like there's not that same electricity and energy that you would normally feel, I feel like. Yeah, no, I think you have to. Uh, like, I think if you have like a rooting interest, then you like you feel the big time fight, I guess. But, yeah, it's probably kind of hard to. It's hard to translate over TV, I think. Yeah. It's, it's like, I would say the build-up to it. Like, when you have the card going on, you're like, all right, we got the next fight. Uh-huh. And everyone gets excited, and then that's just like, oh, yeah. it's here. Yeah. Type of deal. Uh, but, yeah, no, so Stipe retains his, uh, his belt. A lot of people in Cleveland were happy. I'm not, look, I'm, I'm going to say it. I think Cleveland should put a, a Stipe. I know you're not statue guy. But I think Stipe might deserve a statue. Why not a nice plaque? Fine. He deserves something. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with plaque. Like I said. Maybe a street name? Oh, for sure. Something. He needs something. Yeah, give him give him a freeway. Give him an entire freeway. Give him like the Stipe Expressway. <laughs> but then you don't want hard hits on that. Uh, good point, yeah. Maybe not name it a street because then people just go there to fight the whole time. You don't want that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think I think a, a nice Stipe plaque would be would suffice. All right, I, look, I don't hate a statue, a plaque for you, a statue for me. I don't hate it. Uh, something, but they need to do something there. All right, we'll shift to the NBA here. Uh, the playoffs get underway as a pretty exciting playoff or a play-in game on uh, Saturday when the Blazers ended up coming back to beat the Grizzlies and they faced the Lakers. Uh, the Mavericks, as we talked about on Friday, play the Clippers. Uh, game one is tonight, 8 p.m. I think both of us expect the Clippers to win the series. So the question Ryan posed on on Friday 
was how many games the Mavs will win in the series, and you set the over-under at one and a half. Yeah. I'm ready to answer that. Okay. I will say over. They will win two games. That's yeah, That's exactly what I think, too. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they won tonight. So, I, I agree. So, they hadn't they haven't lost three games in a row all year, and they lost their last two uh, bubble games. So, yeah. you know, if they can kind of make some adjustments here and come out and get game one, there's no home court advantage. There's no big, you know, momentum or anything going into game one. Uh, you know, it's not like, yeah, you lose two, you know, you lost two straight. So, it's not, I mean, you're, it's not the highest of notes to be, you know, build, building off of. But I think this team is kind of resilient enough and smart enough, hopefully, and they got enough veteran presence that they can come out and grab the first game and then just kind of go from there. You know, you get game one in hand, anything can happen. I don't think much will happen, but if you can get game one and have it be, you know, a statement win coming out of the gates, I think that'd be good for the Mavs. Oh, for sure. And I think, like, kind of the narrative, like, Luka first game – first playoff game like that type of deal yeah like just sometimes you kind of just feel it just makes sense uh-huh and like them winning uh makes sense i mean an offensive rating the mavs are the best offensive team in basketball uh-huh their offensive rating is 115 um what is it? i just had it up here it was uh it's uh their offensive rating is um, 115.9, and the Clippers are second in offensive rating at one, uh, 113.3. Yeah. So you, these are the two best offensive teams in the, in the NBA. The only problem is the Clippers' defensive rating is uh, 106.9, which is better than the Mavs, 111. Uh-huh. Um, but so, and I feel like just, Without even looking at the advanced numbers, you would think that the uh, Clippers are a better defensive team than the Mavericks. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, just on paper in general, you would think that. Um, I think I think uh, Maxi Kleba gets you know kind of a raw end of the deal. The guy can play a little bit. You know, he's coming off the bench. He's a good defender for for the Mavs. Um, you know, there's quite a few guys that I think uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is another defender that I that I really like for the Mavs. So I think they have the potential to lock up some of those role players. It's just stopping Kawhi and Paul George. It's going to be the real question for, uh, for uh, the Mavs. Like, I think Michael kidd Gilchrist might have to play a little more in this series. <sighs> just don't give him the ball. Well, yeah, you don't have to have him shoot. You just got to. You, you play five him. on five defense, but four on five offense. That's going to yeah. be tough. Another thing that is, that is uh, hurting the Mavs is they don't have Dwight Powell. Yeah. And huge he's lots. like, a, he's a six. A very good, like six man, another wing, uh, or another like four or five ish guy that can defend multiple positions in the pick and roll. Like he's a big, he's a he's a big he's a big loss for the Mavericks. They don't have. And he's a big energy guy too. I've said this on the show before, and it's and it's kind of cliche, but with him, I don't know if there's if there's anybody that's been as true this cliche as it is with Dwight Powell, but like he literally does the stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. You know, the hustle uh, rebounds diving for balls, you know, rotating, things like that. Like, all the stuff, all the small stuff that you need a role player to do, he does, and he does it to, like, the nth degree the, and the max level. Like I say, he's a big energy guy. He can he can get up and get a bunch of rebounds. Um, he's a great, you know, pretty good defender, things like that. He can stretch the floor a little bit and, and stretch beyond the three-point line a little bit and shoot it. 
But uh, yeah, that have, not having Dwight Powell is is a big big loss for the Mavs. And I think if they had him, that'd be that'd be. I think we'd be having a different conversation about. <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me, A, how many games the Mavs would win, and B, possibly could they take this series? Yeah, no, I, I, I would tend to agree with that. Or it would make it, I think, the matchup more even. Yeah, for sure. The Clippers also have the best bench in the league. Uh, they average the most bench minutes in the game at 22.1, and then the most points per game from the bench at 50.3. Mm-hmm. So... That's something the Mavs are going to have to deal with because, again, as we mentioned, the Mavs kind of shorthanded coming off the bench, at least with at the in the front court at the four and five um, because of the Powell injury and a couple just they don't have the bodies down there that they were expecting. So I think that's going to be something to watch. Are they going to be able to contain like like how Pat? Be- I think Pat Beverly is going to get into Lucas. Head. Like if there's a if there's a defensive matchup, like Pat Beverly when he comes in. And starts guarding Luca. I feel like Luca could get annoyed by Beverly pretty quickly because he'll just be looking at the ref. Like if he goes and Beverly maybe catch a wrist instead of the ball and they don't call a foul, like that will just I think tee off Luca a little bit and it maybe a snowball effect. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. If if that that's that's I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the main things I think if Pat Beverly agitates uh, Luca, then the, I think it's a wrap. Because Luca's a very emotional like player, you know what I mean. He mm-hmm. he he plays with based off his emotions a lot, and sometimes it can be to a fault. So I think if Pat, Patrick Beverly does that, which he probably will be, because you know Pat's been in the league for so long, and Luca is his first taste of the playoffs. I won't be surprised if he gets under his skin pretty early and just stays there. You know what I mean, and just does all his agitating stuff that he always does. Uh, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, did you know this? So going through the NBA stats, did you know that the Mavs are second in the league in percentage of points on three-pointers? Thirty-eight. I did not 38%, 38.8% of their points are from three-pointers. Houston's obviously number one. I was one. Say, Tur- yeah. Toronto is third at 36.8. Wow, yeah, I didn't realize. I mean, obviously they shoot a bunch of threes and make a bunch of threes, but I didn't realize that that was where the majority of their points was coming from. Or no, yep. I guess not the majority, but a good chunk. Yeah, I didn't realize that. That's crazy. Yep. And then who do you think leads percentage of points in the mid-range game? Mid-range. Uh, L.A.? The Spurs. Oh, that was going to be my second guess. The Lakers are second in uh, points in the paint. Okay. Uh, 46.5% of their points are in the paint. Um, but, yeah, no, I think. So we both think the Clippers win in six. Yeah. And, I, look, I think this is good. Even though we've kind of talked before of, like, Playoff experience to me in this so far doesn't really matter because there's no home court. You're not traveling and everything. You don't have to deal with the away fans and the home fans. But I still think like it's good experience to play in the play. Like in these playoffs, like you're still playing for a title and you're going through the gauntlet of like the series changing from game to game to game. So I I do think they can get experience. It might not be the most experienced, but I really... I do think this could be like some good time, good playoff experience, especially going up against the Clippers, who I think are probably going to win the title. Who I would put as the favorite going into this to win the title. Really, you put them ahead of uh, the team across town? Yes, I do. Why so? I just think their supporting cast is a little more reliable. Yeah, and it's it's not saying that one. I just think I think I have more faith in Kawhi and Paul George than LeBron and Anthony Davis as well. 
and that's mainly in the Paul George over Anthony Davis, uh-huh. then Kawhi over, like LeBron's getting it, like Kawhi and LeBron would even each other out. Yeah. But I think I just have more faith, which is also kind of crazy for me saying, I just think I have more faith in the role of Paul George than Anthony, like Anthony Davis is great, but he's, I think perimeter defense, he struggles a little bit. And the game's going towards wings. I would just trust m- maybe a wing more in the playoffs than a 6'10 guy. I know he comes out and shoots to three, but I think I just might trust Paul George more. Interesting. See, I, I would agree. I See, I like both of them more than the other guy on the offensive side of the floor, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, I like AD better than Paul George. Uh, on like offense? If, if, right. Yeah. I trust him more on the offensive side of the ball. But then if they're uh, going up, if they're matching up and Paul George is the offensive player, I obviously like him matching up against AD a little bit more uh, as the offensive player. Does that make sense? Yes. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so, guess, I think I've, I was kind of thinking that too. I'm not just mm-hmm. trying to like, I, I think, yeah, I know. I, I would agree with that, I think. But and also like, Danny Green has to play. And we had this conversation when you asked. He's got to make some freaking shots. Like, I mean, Jesus like Christ. Like, LeBron can do all the stuff he can, but he needs some guys to help step up. And it's like, again, LeBron isn't going to be the problem for the Lakers. Like, he mm-hmm. can will them to, he can will them as far as, like, some guys help him out to. Yeah. He can't, LeBron cannot have, like, what he did with the Cavs the last year he was there when the best player was Kevin Love, but they didn't use him properly. It was LeBron averaging 40 a, 40 a night. Mm-hmm. And, like, in Game 7 against the Celtics, Jeff Green dropping 18 or 21 random. Like, he needs AD to consistently put up 25 and 12 each night. And then yeah. Danny Green to hit their three. Like, LeBron's thing is space to floor, space to floor. And the outside shooters are going to have to make shots. Mm-hmm. And Danny Green ain't making shots. So if he keeps missing shots, then... That's where I, the trouble for the Lakers is. Like, I don't think the team ca- the team construction for the Lakers, like, qualif- like fits LeBron's skill set still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. I that, Yeah, you, know, you raised some good points. Um, I was just looking through here, though, but it looks like Pat Beverly is still questionable for game one, so he might not even play game one. Okay, but for the he's going to play in this, when, if he plays in the series. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. I just, while you were talking, going through that, I was just kind of looking at, at some of the secondary role players and stuff for for the Clippers and, and Lakers and kind of comparing them and seeing matchups of, of second units and things like that. So I just felt uh, I wanted to mention that just in case we we overlooked oh, yeah. it. But yeah, no, I mean you're you're absolutely right. I mean the the guy the, the amount that LeBron has to rely on his other guy, like they have to do a little bit more. I feel like than the Clippers role players. You know what I mean? Like he has to get a little bit more out of them because they're not as 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 uh, talented as what the Clippers have around. Does that make sense? For sure, yeah. So, you know, he does have to rely a little bit more on them to, or he has to rely on them to do more than what the Clippers have to rely on their guys because they have a, a plethora of guys that can do it. Whereas, you know, you just named some of the some of the guys here uh, that LeBron has to, has to rely on to make sure that they can go that extra degree because there aren't as many guys that can get it done. So I still, until until you beat LeBron, I'm, he's always going to be the favorite to me. To, to take on the title. Yeah, no, look, I don't. That's a good, that's like sound logic. <laughs> and also that was my logic when he was with the Cavs. Mm-hmm. 
I just think that like Avery Bradley, he's not he's not in the bubble. Like that's a big like they have guys that they've counted on this year that just aren't there. Yeah, and like Catavius Caldwell Pope is not very good. Like the guys they're rolling out are just. I just don't like I to me this comes down to more of the supporting cast is why I favor the Clippers over the Lakers. Yeah, like I I I hope we get the series because I think it would be a good series. And like Dion, what are we getting from Dion? Like, who knows what Dion's getting? Like, this is Dion could just go rogue. Yeah, I mean him and Jr. You know what I mean? Like, there's no telling yeah, what. I, think, I mean, Jr. is 34. I think he's he knows his role. He's not going rogue. Yeah. Oh, you're he's, saying that you think Dion Waiters might go into Kobe Wade mode and just start chucking up shots? Yeah, big yeah. time, big time. Yes. Um, yeah. No, I agree. You know, Jr.'s played 15 seasons in the NBA. Yeah. Like that's a good career. Yeah. That is a good that is a that is a good solid career there. All right. Uh so also why do people think the Blazers can beat the Lakers? Uh recency bias. Those people are crazy. Absolutely lunatics. If I was if the Grizzlies beat the Blazers, I was gonna boycott the NBA for the next five years. I'd have been so pissed. Just one game. Huh? They had to, the Grizzlies had to win two. Right, no, no. If they would beat them both games, like if they would have, if they would have beat the the Blazers to get that eighth spot, oh my goodness, I would have raised absolute heck. Pardon my language. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, like I, the fact that it was even that close, I was just like, I, I didn't watch the game because I didn't want to. Because uh, no, it was a good game. No, yeah, it was. I saw the highlights, but I just figured Portland was going to roll. And then when I was kind of checking it on my phone, I was like, holy shit. This game is a little bit closer than I thought. You know, the Grizzlies were up for a good good minute. Then the Blazers made a little run to come back. And then it got closer again at the end. And I was like, I was just beside myself. Yeah. Uh, well, the the Blazers got up big early. Yeah. Um, and and I was texted. I was like, oh, uh, our friend Joey, who we could have on to talk about the playoffs if you want, coming up on Friday or next week. We get deeper into the playoffs. Um uh, I was like, hey, he watches the games through his Xbox. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I got to stop the COD update. I was like, hey, it might be time to get that COD update going again. <laughs> and then it got close. He goes, oh, I got to stop it. Uh, but yeah, I just think people, it's like they forget LeBron's LeBron and he can will a team to a couple rounds of victory, especially yeah. against the Blazers. And I like Dame. I like CJ. Which is they don't have enough. Yeah, exactly. Outside of that, you know, what do they have? So from a macro level, what do you what do you think the playoffs or the finals? What do you are there any things in the first round you're excited to watch? Um, it'll be interesting to see that Pacers Heat matchup. You know, T.J. Warren, Jimmy Butler going back at it. See if T.J. Warren can keep up his uh, his hot streak that he started. Um, obviously, Rockets Thunder, Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook going back to each other. You know, playing. I, I, this, you know, it's unfortunate that they uh, that they are playing in the bubble and not you know, traveling because that would have been fun. Um, but that's really it. I mean, Celtics 76ers, how many times are we going to have that in a row? Well, and yeah. Simmons is out, so it kind of Simmons takes... is out. And I, I, what about Embiid? Is he, he, he had a foot thing, didn't he? I don't know. I think he's questionable. questionable. Yeah, so, um, you know, like I said, how many times are we going to see that matchup? I think the Celtics take that pretty handedly. There's really nothing that jumps out at me. Um, you know, obviously we're going to be locked into the Mavs Clippers series here um and then like i said maybe two is gonna be the heat pacers and three behind that rockets thunder for this first round 
Yeah. No, I kind of agree. I love the uh, 12.30 starts, though, every day. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Let's not do this any of this NBA TV garbage. Play them all separate, mm-hmm. one game at a time. Love it. Um, love that. I will say, though, today, you know, do you think – oh, I got a question before we move on. Do you think first-round Raptors – first game losses are still relevant in the bubble? Because you know how they always lose, like, uh, yeah, they the always lose yeah, the series? Um, I'm going to say no. Okay, because I think I might sprinkle, not maybe not Moneyline, but Brooklyn plus 10 is a little... Yeah, they're tasty. catching 10. Yeah. That's tasty to me, because they always... they. Uh, t- Cliche, they always play hard, but they, they, they legitimately do always play hard. Yeah, no, uh, no, yeah, I mean, the, the Nets finished up their, their bubble with a pretty nice showing. Um, you know, not bad playing Portland pretty close. Karis LeVert's back to his self that we saw last year. Um, so, you know, I don't think, I think, um, maybe, maybe laying a little bit while they're catching 10. I don't think that's a bad play at all. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do. I like that. And I think I might take the Mavs money line tonight. Just a little shot in the dark there. Uh, plus I don't hate two, it. Plus 225. I don't hate it. Uh, see if we get, some, see if we get a, a live dog there uh, going on there. But all right, we'll keep obviously talking about the playoffs. We'll have games to talk about coming up on Friday's show. The other Dallas team, they're already in the middle of the playoffs. They got a big overtime win yesterday. Against the Flames to tie the series up at two to two. Joe Pavelski got a hat trick, and uh, I don't know if you watched any of this. I I got to co- catch the third period, mm-hmm. um, and it looked like they were going down three one, but a, li- a goal with eleven seconds left in regulation. They have a flair for the dramatic. These stars um, got the job done, but man, their power play is absolutely atrocious. <laughs> it is so bad. They were two of seven on the power play. And yeah. so I was listening to it a little bit on the radio on my way home. The start of the third period, or end of the second, start of the third. There was a time at the end of the second and the third when they had two pretty much consecutive power plays. And then in the third period, I think minutes like 10 to 6, they had... Like the one power play was pretty much over. Three seconds left. Calgary gets called for another tripping. So they had another two minutes of the power play and they couldn't score it again. They are two for seven on the power play yesterday. Absolutely atrocious. The power play is a disaster, a debacle. And they brought, they, they did, they should have not, they shouldn't have been down going into overtime. They're giving up goals on the power play too. They've given up three shorthanded goals in this series. It's a, it's the power play is a debacle. And I, I wish they would not get power plays. I'm at the point where I hope they, the other team doesn't commit a penalty on them, so they just could play five on five. <laughs> that's that's wild. That's a wild statement. One you don't hear too often. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I I was checking in a little bit with this game as well. I didn't, I, would, I wasn't locked into it. Um, I think it was on Saturday. What time was no, that? Was yesterday at? afternoon. Or excuse me, yesterday afternoon. Yeah, yesterday afternoon. It was an after, like a middle of the afternoon game, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was like a two o'clock start. I think. Yeah, yeah. See, I was out at baseball. Yeah, it was one o'clock. Yeah, see, that's what our game started at twelve. So I was checking in on the way home, um, kind of keeping an eye on it because I, when I I saw when they were up two to one. And then they were down three to two. I was like, oh, that's a wrap. 
You know, I mean, like, I just assumed, like, okay, you know, thanks for coming out. Uh, and then I saw I was going into overtime, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe we got something cooking here. But uh, shout out Joe Pavelski showing up finally. You know, we, we've been saying it over and over again. They need somebody to step up. We, we would prefer to be uh, Sagan or Ben um, being the two stars of the uh, of the team. But Pavelski, I mean, he used to get it done for San, San Jose all the time. Uh, so, you know, glad that he can come over to Dallas and make some big-time goals there. Um, still would like to see a little bit more from your from your top two guys. I mean, Ben and Sagan, they both got uh, – I think they both each had a point at least. Sagan had two uh, assists and uh, Ben had another assist yesterday. Okay, so so three points between the two. That's, you know, fine, good. Uh, goaltending needs to be better, though. Goaltending has been not great either. Yeah, no. Bishop was not good the other night. Qdobin was, eh, was all right last night. Did you see someone, the goal to tie it up? Did you see the highlight of the goal that tied it up with, like, 11 seconds left? Uh-uh. So they had a goal with, like, two minutes to go that got – Disallowed for goaltender interfer- interference. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, okay, it was goaltender interference. Then they score with 11 seconds left. Calgary challenges it to see if someone was offsides. Sagan loses his balance on the ice, and you have to have your foot on the blue line for right. him not to be offsides. Mm-hmm. He is literally falling down almost like a starfish <laughs> in the like a starfish going down with his foot on the ice as he's falling down to stay onside. Wow. Like, the athleticism that he did to stay on side and then get up and then I think put the shot in or a pass over to get the tying goal was it it was needed because he would have been off sides. Yeah. Well, I mean, shout out. Hey, doing 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 the small stuff. Yeah. I just talked about Dwight Powell doing the stuff that doesn't show up in the box score. Yes. Yes. I'm gonna need more. I need more rope hints on the ice. He's okay. the young guy. He is the fastest skater on the stars. The stars are looking a little slow out there. Mm. I think the speed battle lately, Calgary is looking faster on the ice. I need more than 17 minutes from Rope Hens. Put him in the 20 minutes. Put him in, get him get him 18 minutes. Mm. Give him a couple more minutes out there. He he is so fast. He's electric. Like he needs to be playing more than 16 minutes a night. That's what I think. Maybe put him on the power play. Maybe put him on the power play. Yeah. The first unit power play, not the second unit power play. Just like yeah. you need speed out there because they're looking a little slow, and he's a guy that's fast. So you need to get him. You need to get him some uh, some more minutes uh, out there. But yeah, so they go two two. Tomorrow's game uh, is at four thirty faceoff. I think tomorrow. Um, yes, four thirty tomorrow, and then. Uh, Again, uh, uh, one team will be on the brink of elimination. Uh, but, yeah, the playoffs in general have been pretty good. I know I've been watching probably a little more. I don't know if I've been watching a little more hockey than you, but they've been. Yeah, probably. They've been playing. A, they've been really good. Also surprising that the Boston goalie just opted out of the season. Like Tuka just hours, said, yeah, I'm out. Two hours before game three? Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to also fault someone for opting out. But opting out like two hours before. I, he had to have told them Friday night, and they just made it public before the game. But why would they wait that long? That's what I don't get. I don't, I, I don't know. And the fact that he waited this long to opt out is another head scratcher. After he already played two games. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a crazy. Oh, it's just a. I guess a, I would say surprising decision because once a guy's played that long, already two games, you'd expect them to just be to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hey, whatever, whatever. Is their decision? I mean, last week you asked me about the Plesac Clevenger stuff. Yeah. Last 
jokingly the pine tar thing but oliver perez so they had a big team meeting on friday afternoon and then they both got optioned down to triple a or the alternate site Mm -hmm. oliver perez said if they're playing this weekend in detroit if they're on the active roster i'm opting out wow yeah what he feels like they need to be away from the team longer or he just feels like that they should be punished they should be punished, I think. He okay. feels like they should have been punished. And he goes, if they're not going to punish them, I'm, I'm opting out. And he's also 38 or 40, so he's a little older. Um, so maybe he's just like, hey, they don't realize what they're doing. Um, or if they don't, he doesn't see that they've realized what they did was wrong. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, well, they need to be punished, so I'm going to opt out. And That's wild. Still on the team. They did not opt out. He did not opt out, but they Man, got shout out to him. Him. Yeah, shout out to him for, for kind of taking a stand there. Yeah, well, oh, look, I, he was the only one that I guess was publicly saying I'm going to opt out, but it did not sound like a lot of other players wanted them on the roster this weekend. Oh, okay. They were all disappointed. And then, like, Plesak did this Instagram video in his car blaming the media for portraying him wrongly. Uh-huh. And they were like, the, some of the players on the team were like, dude, really, you're doing a video in your car while you're driving? Like an apology, <laughs> like how many, like how stupid are you? Yeah. Like do it in front of like at your house. Like you're doing a six minute video while you're driving. Like do it at your house, wearing a mask in a hazmat suit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't do it while you're driving. Like how clueless are you? Yeah. And then he's going on this one guy in Cleveland Twitter's got this like Periscope show or whatever mm. that they do every Monday night. He's going on that show tonight. No. It's like someone from the Indians tell this guy to stop doing this stuff. Like, yeah, stop. No kidding. Like, I think the guy, if he would have just done his first thing, they would have been more likely to let him stay. But the, the, it sounds like the vid, the car video really angered a lot of the teammates more than they were already mad at him. It's just like, what are you doing? A little self-awareness just, there, bub. No, no. So Dan, please sack on MLB. Talk to your nephew. Please <laughs> call him. Talk to your nephew. Knock some sense into this kid. Um, but, yeah, no. So that was a. That was a sidebar from the hockey, but um, <laughs> getting in the opt-outs. But, uh, yeah, no, the hockey playoffs have been good. Uh, yeah, I mean, how about, you know, the Caps going down 3-0? Yeah. Black, I mean, Blackhawks really haven't been good all year, but, you know, they're down. Now, they won yesterday, be down 3-1. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, I just don't think – I think my Cody's were fighting a losing battle from the jump. The Avs yeah. are very good. The Avs are, are very, very good. Uh, they've 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 won they've gotten one game so far. It's two one. They play I uh, believe tonight. I think they Today. played in four. Yeah, four. They held home ice. Um, yeah, they did. That, that they did. That's one thing they do. They defend the den. That's for sure. So that's what they uh, they did today, or they did the other day, and that's what they'll hopefully keep doing today. Well, how about this? So the the Caps. You mentioned them. So Barry Trotz, who coached the Capitals when they won the Stanley Cup, coaches the Islanders. Mm-hmm. So he's about to sweep the team he won the cup with. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. I'm a Caps fan, and the, and the Caps just didn't renew his deal after they won the cup. Yeah. If I'm a Caps fan, I'm pretty. You're not thrilled about it. Pissed. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, they've been the Vegas looks also really good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, it'll be good. I like again how they space out all these games. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good thing. As long as you're not going into five OT, you should be all right. Yeah, as long as you're not going into five OTs, you should be pretty good uh, there. All right, we got some Cowboys news here I want to touch on. So 
their camp. Media is kind of limited for camp. Yeah. Gerald McCoy, uh, 45 minutes into practice, suffered a lower leg injury during individual drills. Uh, he, this is from John uh, Machote of The Athletic. He, he uh, needed to be helped off the field. He tried to walk it off on his own and then needed immediate assistance to get off the field. But the, the media is not happy, the Dallas Cowboys media, not happy with the Cowboys about this because Tim Callishaw tweeted out that he, he was at practice. And he tweeted out, the media, was, the media saw the Gerald McCoy injury and Cowboys PR told them not, like told the media, wait until the end of practice to tweet it out. And then Ian Rappaport tweets it out five minutes after he goes in the locker room. And the Cowboys media is like, seriously, you told us not to do this. And you're going to let a national writer break the story before we all had it because you told us not to do it. Um, like those, I could understand why those guys would be pretty pissed about that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, it's kind of a respect thing or uh, yeah, hashtag respect the biz. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I guess that, I don't know who, who, who do you think's more at fault? Kalashoff for doing it or the PR team for asking them not to do it? I think the PR team. Yeah. I think there should have been a. Yeah, but it's I, like, it, like, like maybe, maybe not say, hey, wait till the end of practice. But like, hey, just give us some time to kind of check them out, see what's going on. And we'll give you the information, and then you can tweet it out from there. But I know a big part of training camp is the media live tweeting what's going on. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of times. So right now, obviously, I follow a ton of Redskins media guys. They're having weather issues out there. Well, whenever the team goes into the bubble, when it starts raining, media is not allowed in there. So there's been quite a few days where a lot of the guys are like, well, training so we're not gonna be able to see the team you know whatever blah 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 so you know i i realized like especially right now um it's you you need to have and be able to report any piece of information you can get just you know to kind of keep things updated and keep things going because they're you know of, of any uncertainty there might be um but at the same time i think if you're if you're tim kalashaw you've been around the team long enough you've been in dallas long enough like I said, maybe maybe just like a like a buffer zone. Like give us give us some time to check them out. We'll come and relay some information. And you guys are free to tweet it out after that. You know what I mean? And then, well, then Ed Warder tweeted. The problem is the player texted the national reporter right when he went in the locker room. Oh, uh, that's what Ed Warder uh, said. But still, look, it does. It's still. I don't think it's a good. I don't think it's like a great look. Whatever. I'm the, the bigger issue is the Gerald McCoy injury. The yeah, Gerald McCoy yeah, no doubt. Uh, injury. Um, um, which is the bigger thing. Um, but it's also kind of like if these guys are, are, oh, there's also some agreement that they made the Cowboys reporters, um, sign about injuries at training camp this year, or they could take away their credentials if you don't follow it. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing why they were mad about, like, you're not letting us report this. You could take our credentials away if we do. It's kind of like the double, like, you're held, them. you're just, they have you by your throat pretty much. Like, you have a job. But the bigger thing is McCoy being hurt, and the severity of that is, because we were talking last week when they said Everson Griffin, like, they got a formidable front four. Yeah. And they were already, Mike Nolan last week was already talking about getting four, holding four defensive tackles. This takes, this throws a big wrench in those plans. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, I guess maybe they, now they have a roster spot for an extra guy and not a defensive tackle. They have three defensive tackles. You I know? don't know. But still, like that was a that was one of your kind of key signings in the offseason, like to shore up the defense, which you needed yep. to do because the defense was not good. And now it's and for you know not a, uh, his, his contract wasn't a whole lot, right? No, I think it was like six million a year or something. One yeah. one year, six million. That was pretty cheap. Maybe even three. It was very cheap. I think I think the one six was Everson Griffin's. Okay, then McCoy must have been three one three or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's also interesting on how. I was re- I was reading some stuff on Mike McCarthy, and they were asking him like how he's going to use uh, Zeke and Tony Pollard because last year a lot of people were saying hey use both of those guys in the backfield, but then when the last the the Garrett Kellen Moore regime did they just failed miserably on how to implement both of them, mm-hmm. and McCarthy's like yeah we're going to use them both but I'm keeping it close to the vest because we don't have any preseason games so why should I tell you in practice how it's going to like there's a lot of stuff I feel like. Like week one is just going to be such so many unknowns and like what personnel is going to be out there, like what groupings you use and every like it's really just going to be the wild, wild west out there for the first couple of weeks. I mean, it's all pretty. It's going to be pretty cool, I think. Yeah, well, it's going to be fun because no one knows what's going on. Yeah, but I also think we're, because of that we're going to see a lot of sloppy football, you know, usually oh, the first. Sure. Three to four games, guys are still working on things, trying to figure stuff out, um, and uh, you know, iron out the wrinkles. I think we might see that well in the week six or seven of teams kind of getting their legs underneath them and get things rolling. So, you know, I won't be surprised if we don't see any thirteen and three, twelve and four teams. You know, if everyone's kind of well, maybe twelve and four. If everyone's right around that twelve and four, eleven and five kind of uh, uh, you know record, and uh, so I, that, that that's kind of my, what I think. You know. Going off of what you say, you think it's going to be the Wild Wild West or how it's going to be fun. Well, I don't disagree. I Like I said, I still think it's going to be sloppy. It's going to take teams uh, a couple extra weeks than normal to uh, to kind of get their bearings uh, about them. In the Homer of Homer things, I have already locked in the Browns plus 10 in Baltimore week one. Hey, I mean, I think I don't think that's a bad like, – plus 10 is or huge for week one. Plus nine, plus nine. Uh, plus, yeah, I mean – I think that's huge for week one. Like I said, with so much, who knows, um, you know, what, what, what week one, two, three, four week is going to look like. I don't hate that. The money line's plus 290. You might need to get on that right now. That might be getting a little crazy. They beat them last year in Baltimore, and I was on that then. Um, but, yeah, no, I just think there's going to be a ton of upsets and everything, too. Like, you just don't, like, just. I just no one really knows what's going to happen. It's yeah. honestly whoever handles the coronavirus is going to succeed the most, as we've said. Yeah. Um, so whatever uh, happens there, but yeah, no, the Cowboys. We got to stop. I know every team does it, but the I saw Friday was the first time reporters saw practice. Wow, CD Lamb looks. Inc- we got to stop with this. We can, we got to stop. Like wow, he looks so good making one. I ca- I cannot handle preseason. We got pe- people doing the preseason report cards on Dak. I can't do it. I cannot do it this year. Like, I know we all want to see it and people are craving for football. Stop. You, you got to stop giving out the, the, he's 11 of 17 today with four drops or like, just please stop this. Yeah. I can't, I cannot look at everything of just being like another amazing one-handed catch. CD lamp dusted. It's the preseason hall of fame that we've done. <laughs> now it's, it's it's the it's the camp hall of fame. Grand camp hall of fame. 
the training camp hall of fame. It's like at an all time high this year. There's so many inductees because everyone's shining in camp that no one sees any action. Mm-hmm. That's what I have on the training camp right there. Just a sigh. Just a sigh. We've already seen the uh, Odell uh, one-handed catches. That was a great out. catch. That was a great catch. Well, was that not wrong? <laughs> it was a good catch, but I mean, again, it's training camp. I will say Baker's – I'm going to be hypocritical here, but Baker's footwork looks good. They've been working on that. Alex Van Pelt's footwork looks good. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks and a fellow named Alex, Alex Smith getting cleared to resume football activities. Yeah. I don't feel great about that. I mean, I'm glad we're on the same page here. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel great about it. Uh, You know, if he can come back and be a voice in the in the uh, quarterback room, awesome. Um, But I don't, I don't know if that guy should ever step field on a field, step foot on a field ever again. You know, he looks fine, kind of dropping back and throwing passes, you know, in warmups or whatever. But that leg. Does not look like it's ready to he still be ran a full on. Sleeve on it. He still, yeah. That's if you're wearing a full sleeve just to sit around the house, like you better, like there, there's something going on. When he was getting sprayed with that champagne in that video, like I was holding my breath the whole time. I mean, his flip flop went kind of sideways, and if he, I mean, I feel like if his foot would have gone with it, that leg is snapping in half again. Like that just does not look like. Like I said, I'm rooting for the guy. If he can get back on a football field, you know, awesome. But I don't know if he should. The he should one hundred percent not play another down of football. Yeah, I did like, see I did see a, a funny tweet. You know, because his son runs up on him and starts spraying him with the champagne or whatever. Well, I don't think it was champagne. I think it was like uh, what do you call it? Uh, sparkling grape juice. Sparkling grape. Yeah. And somebody said he barely slipped past his son, and now he's supposed to run away from Marcus <laughs> Lawrence. And I was like, yeah, that's 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 kind of funny. But, well, the uh, thing. Like, we both admire the tenacity, the determination to, like, get back. Yeah. But your overall health, like, your leg was close to getting amputated. He was close to dying because dying. of the infection he got. Yes. And you're going to tell, like, I understand the football, like, you need it or whatever. But, like, like you said, just be a quarterback, de facto quarterback's coach is, like, the mm-hmm. backup that's never active. Yeah. But, like, hey, maybe it's kind of, like. Here's what I think they should do. Whenever who do they play week one? Oh, uh, shit, you put him on the spot. I don't even know. Okay, whatever. Whoever they play week one, they should trot him out there for the for the for the first snap of the season. The he Eagles. Has the, Eagles. Okay. Well, this might throw a wrench in the play. But first snap of the season, I think you know where I'm going. Yeah. Let him hand the ball off, and he's done. Like mm-hmm. he. Because I think part of it, too, is, like, he fought back to play in an NFL game. Yeah. So, like, I know you don't want to do the, the, the pity, like, oh, let this, let's do the high school kid or whatever, the team manager thing. Mm-hmm. But for his own safety, I'm, I'm not confident in him with him going out there to play another down. I yeah. the same, but, like, just let him get the one handoff in, and off we go. Carry him off the field. Everyone celebrates. Good to go. You're inactive the rest of the season. You're a quarterback coach. Yeah, I mean, he's still he's still getting a twenty million dollar check at the end of the yeah. year, regardless. So, take your twenty million, put that thing in your pocket, and use that to prop you up or hold your leg up because that thing should not be in, laced up in a cleat, running away from Fletcher Cox. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's that should not be happening. Like I said, good story. You you root for the guy if his goal is to play another down or play in another NFL game. I'm I'm all for that. What you just mentioned right there, but. Anything serious, any kind of real, 
uh, football action, I think is a detriment to himself, to his health, to his family. And I just don't think it should uh, it should happen because it that leg still looks like looks wonky. Another funny tweet I saw was when he was getting sprayed with the sparkling cider. His his leg is real misshapen still because of all the skin grafts and everything they had to do to put it back together. <laughs> Somebody said his leg looks like the spaghetti noodle you drop in the sink when you're straining it because it's I saw like, that. <laughs> it, it, like it, there's some weird curves to it. Like I said, I'm not making fun of the guy by yes. any means. Like just to get back to this point is is you know a huge accomplishment. We are but, looking out for his person, his lifelong future. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Like I said, never should step field, step foot on a uh, NFL field for meaningful downs or meaningful snaps ever again. Yes, we agree there. All right, so before we wrap up, I got one thing I want to mention. So this is college. Uh, this is based on college football. So yesterday we had Justin Fields bringing out the petition. Don't really know how much that's going to help, but he's trying to get people to sign where they can. They can change the – get the Big Ten season started. The saliva test is a big thing for sports that got FDA yeah. approval, the NBA, and Yale. The, so we, we're in an interesting dynamic here. So the Big Ten players are clamoring to, like, get back to play. Mm-hmm. The Pac-12, I don't know. You probably follow more Pac-12 guys. I haven't really seen them making a big push to get back. Maybe they are. They're trying to make a push to where they can unionize again. That's kind of their thing, okay. so that they can be so, there there because they're trying to get a little cut of yeah. uh, some money if they do play. Okay, so which I think is a big reason why the Pac-12 just pulled the plug on it. it. Was like let's not even you know open this can of worms. Yes, yes. So the Big Ten's trying to get the Pac-12 has sights set on bigger things rather than playing this year, mm-hmm. which I commend them for. So the Big Ten's trying to play. They're trying to get the players back. The parents are coming up. Parents football, whatever, the parents football club, they're writing letters to the Big Ten saying, we want our kids to play, blah, 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 blah. blah. Which is the most 2020 thing ever. Yes, totally. Then we shift to the South and the SEC and the Big Ten and the Big 12. We have players pleading for students to not go to bars this weekend Mm -hmm. and like to not go out so they can play. And I guarantee you, all those pictures going around from Tuscaloosa, those people are tweeting, let that we, oh yeah, they should play no matter what. And Mm. they're going to be the problem when it comes, when there's a huge outbreak this week on the Alabama campus. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. And we even had the Oklahoma football team. Did you see that news about the coronavirus this week? Yeah. So they practiced for four weeks in a row. They were off for a week. 75% of the team stayed in Norman. While they were moving in and everything, 25% of the team went away, come back, nine positive tests. And I think they said the majority of the kids stayed in Norman. They didn't go home to get, and got the virus. So they just were around Norman. They stayed and got the virus. Like, these, these are the – and Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley's done one of the best jobs in the country with their protocols from the start, from May. So this just shows how hard it is. For a season to potentially happen with just the recklessness of the other students at the schools and other kids on the team. Yeah. As we've talked about before. It's just now we're starting to see things in motion. And it's just this week cast. I go back and forth of like, is there is the like, I'm like, maybe I'm thinking maybe the Big Ten will reinstate the season, but there's no way. Um, And like, would that look like a major egg on their face if they did go come back, start the season? Like, I don't know. 
Yeah, if they shut it down, come back, and then have to get shut down again. They'll, that's they'll look like the bigger, biggest. That's the that's the bigger egg. Now they'll yeah they'll look like total dum dums there. So I think that they'll probably refrain from doing that. Uh, but I mean, I think I think this next two to three weeks will be a big uh, sign because a lot of a lot of uh, college campuses opened back up this week and had a bunch of guys or a bunch of students going back to school. So I think if you can make it through these next two or three weeks. Um, either obviously without any positive tests or with very limited positive tests. Cause I think, I think regardless, I mean, you have a hundred guys in on a roster, you know, maybe more, the chances of one of them getting coronavirus are pretty high at this point. You know what I mean? Like oh, it's 100%. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you can keep those, those positive tests numbered down, cause I mean, shoot, I even think nine isn't like a whole lot, but then, you know, the spreading factor and everything that we always talk about. It's the but, nine beginning and then growing. Yeah, the exactly. Time, but, yeah. but I mean, so if you, if you can make it through these next two or three weeks with students on campus and keep those numbers, you know, fairly low, uh, I think maybe you could possibly have a chance, but then once the season gets started up and kids are tailgating, they're going out to bars after games, you know, before games, and then football players, you know, believe it or not, they do go out and celebrate a lot of times, you know, on Saturday nights if they're playing at home and have a nice little victory. So that's when you really got to hunker down. But I think these next two, two and a half weeks is going to be a big sign of whether the SEC, Big 12, and ACC are going to keep it going. And if I, I think the Big 12, and or excuse me, Big 10 and Pac-12 are going to stay uh, shut down no matter what. Yeah, I just, I don't, this weekend did not make me feel confident of players like pleading with them, wear masks, try and do this. Like, yeah, it's just the spectrums of the two, of the two conferences and the players in the conferences is a weird dynamic going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a fascinating, uh, it's a fascinating, like, see what happens, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still not confident. The other thing, too, is does Dabo Sweeney realize the difference between a players association and a union, that there is no difference there? I don't think so. Because, again, someone asked him about the players unionizing. He said, a player association, I'm okay with. A union, I'm not. Dabo, they are literally the same thing. Yeah, he's not not, not his brightest moment. Yeah. You know, I think you go back like five or seven years and Dabo had like this southern, oh, shucksy doodle kind of charm to him. And I think he still tries to play that up. But at this point, it's like, Dabo, you've been doing this long enough. Like, there's some things that you should know better than not to not. You know what I mean? And that's one of them, I think. I think he he, he kind of tries to play that that skit a little too much. And it backfires on him because he tries to play like the young, naive guy. And it's like, that's not you, Dabo. That's not you. Like, you've won multiple national championships. You've been to multiple national championships. You know what this game entails and what it's all about. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a tough look for uh, for old Dabo. I still haven't got over the fact that he said Carolina barbecue over Texas barbecue. So that's always going <laughs> to – I'm always going to, I'm always gonna uh, you know, kind of uh, judge his judgment and decision-making. You know me. I've been getting thin on the Dabo ice for a while. Oh, yeah. Just the like, oh, college athletes, if they start getting paid, then I'm getting out of this business. Well, the only reason you're making $8 million a year is because of these kids, buddy. Like, they're – you do a good job coaching them up, but uh, you are uh, – they're not getting paid. So that's why your salary is so so much bigger. So yeah, whatever. I'm kind of getting – uh, old on him. All right. One last thing here. So we both kind of like the media, the announcing stuff, Cruz. Did you see the new Monday Night Football booth? 
Uh, Herb Street? No. I think they're going to do some games, maybe on Saturdays if there's no college season. Mm-hmm. But the new Monday night team is Steve Levy, which you can go back and text from like March or whenever Joe Tescott thing I said. I thought it'd be him. Lewis Riddick and Brian Greasy. I don't hate that at all. I don't hate it. My I, one, I, Brandon, I, I, I Brandon like who we have, does not like Steve Levy. Oh, really? I like Steve Levy. I love Lewis Riddick. And Brian Greasy's pretty good on the college stuff. So, uh, you know, I don't hate that. That It's just the, that three-man. I don't know if the three-man really works. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll figure it out. Are they all going to be in the booth? or are we gonna They're have a, all in the booth. Okay, I think that might be a little bit better then. That might work a little bit more than the Booger Mobile. Um, oh, 100%. But uh, I think uh, I, 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 I got high hopes for that. Steve Levy can be pretty good. Like I said, Lewis Riddick can give a lot of – see, the only thing is sometimes Lewis Riddick can go on long diatribes. And so that might draw it out a little too much or a little, you know, be a little extra. But his analysis of players, he'll tell you straight up, like either A, this guy was a bonehead and made a bonehead play, or B, this was a brilliant play, this guy, da 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 da. So I, I'm looking forward to that. that that's going to be good. I, didn't, I hadn't seen that uh, get released yet. Well, I think the good thing, I think the, why this will be more successful than the booger Jason Witten uh booth is because one steve levy and brian greasy have worked together before yeah pretty sure um and then also greasy's called a lot of games Mm -hmm. so he's called westwood one radio he's called college and having someone that's called games before could help riddick i don't i think lewis riddick maybe have called the monday night doubleheader once or twice yeah so he has Limited experience calling games, but I think the flow will be better. Like, mm-hmm. it's not Witten just getting in the booth for the first time. Booger getting in the booth for the first time. Tessator, I still like Tessator as an announcer, but he belongs more. He's got that college vibe rather than the NFL. It's just like guys know what they're know their role supposed to do. What they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like more in this booth. They're more like Witten was not a broadcast veteran for professionally just he, he had no experience and like these guys riddick he hasn't called the game but he has a lot of experience broadcasting so yeah i just think it's better suited for success and like steve levy i like he's fine and he could throw in some comedy in there too so he's really he's a really good hockey commentator that's what has got his chops in his hockey yeah um but so yeah i think this will be have more success you got to think they got to stop changing boosts every two years Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, I think this this one will probably stick around for a little bit. Yeah, hopefully it does. All right, you have anything else before we wrap up? I think that's it. Uh, you know, nothing to the Redskins hired new uh, president, so hopefully moving that. in the right direction. Uh, the first African American president in team history. So uh, you know, hopefully he can get it get it rolling. Uh, that's that that's that's another thing about Lewis Riddick. I think I've mentioned it on the show multiple times. I wish he'd get a front office job with the Redskins. He used to be a scout or at the Washington football team. He used to be a scout, one of the head scouts for them a long time ago, and I, I wish he'd get a, a front office job with them. I think he'd be great, but so I that's why I'm excited. He wants to do that now. Like, I think he'd be offered, but he just maybe not want to do it, doesn't want to do it. Yeah, possibly. But, uh, yeah, no, I think that's I think that's all we got uh, for, for this week. Is the uh, injured list for the Yankees now it's a CVS receipt? Dude, it's an all-star team. I mean... It's what they do every year? Every single year. I mean, we've played... 15, 20 games, and right back to where we picked up last year. So uh, clockwork, like clockwork. You can you can literally set your watch to it. Um, luckily, J. A. Happ had a pretty decent start yesterday. 
um, after being skipped. So no Clark Schmidt just yet. We're thinking maybe maybe next week, maybe Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, looking for our boy Clark. I know you're sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for him. You picked him up in fantasy, didn't you? Yeah, like three weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> just sitting there. I, did you pick up Clint Frazier or not? Oh, yeah. Picked him up. Yeah, he's just been absolutely raking. So you do, Your disdain for Clint Frazier a while ago was... Well, now that he's producing, I'm he down was. for it. The guy was hitting like 197 and would like hit a bomb like once every two weeks. Like I like if he would could just DH for us, that'd be great because he can't play a lick of defense. He, but if he could just DH, that would be fantastic. And as long as he's raking, as long as he's hitting the ball like he should, keep him in there, obviously. But when he just wasn't producing and wasn't doing anything and he's coming out there with his chains and his special custom-made Jordans and an Air Force One cleats, it's like, buddy, let's put a ball in play before That's we bring out the swag. Flash. You should love it. New York Flash, it's right here, baby. That's where we like the New York Flash, right on the ring finger. Uh, I did. You'll like this because you mentioned this last week. Uh, then we can wrap up. There was a guy on Indians Twitter said, let's trade Clevenger to the Yankees for Andujar and uh, Frazier. Sign me up, baby. <laughs> I just, I saw that. I just shook my head. I was like, you got unbelievable. Here, I, I'll, I'll even, you, so you were looking for a little bit of pitching. I'll give you, we'll do, we'll do uh, Clevenger and Lindor for, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Get out for Andujar, Clint Frazier, James Paxton, and J.A. Happ. Boom. Hard pass. Hard Who pass. says no? Who says no? Me Indians say no. Me Indians say no. We'll just really? end with that stupidity right <laughs> This is not the NBA trade machine on ESPN. All right, All right guy, guy can dream. We'll be back on Friday. Talk to you guys then.